0: God, we're so thankful to be here tonight. Lord, I pray that we dive into your word, Lord, ready for what you have to tell us tonight. Lord, I pray right now that whatever distractions we may have, whatever we came here with tonight, that's keeping us from listening to you, what you have for us. I pray right now we just give that to you. Lord, I pray for this message tonight. Lord, I pray that you allow me to get out of the way. You guys get Bibles if you don't have one, please. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Now warning, we'll be uh turning to a few places tonight. So don't get comfortable in Colossians. Alright. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Chapter 3. Alright, Colossians chapter 3, we get there. I don't know how in the world y'all see that small print right there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. This is where the dwelling series is anchoring in. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. We're going to read it again every single week. This is what it says in verse 16 that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. And all with them, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Mm. Tonight we're focusing on the part where it says teaching and admonishing one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our heart. What allows us to do this effectively? It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Understand this: the message of Christ. The purpose that will fill our hearts and should radically affect our lives. Now, a lot of times, what happens, okay, uh, in our Christian walk is we come to know Christ, we experience Him, and we're on fire for Christ, right? So we're <coughs> on fire, ready to go out, and then over time, the flame kind of goes out, right? you think that's God's fault, or we think it's us allowing that to happen. No, it's us, right? But as a Christian, Okay, The moment we become a Christian, a follower of Christ, at that moment we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times, even though we're filled with the Spirit, we still rely on the flesh, rely on ourselves. So tonight in small groups, I know you were asked a couple of questions, and we're going to answer them tonight as we go through this. So the first thing we have to ask, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is to allow the Spirit of God to dwell in us and live in a way that God works through us in a way that is radical. It radically changes who we are. Okay, so a lot of times you may hear somebody say, um, "You know, let's get out of the way. Let the Holy Spirit speak," because we need to be listening to what God is saying, not what man is saying. Okay, but if we're not allowing the Holy, the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and we're not allowing the Spirit to speak through us, then all the words we're saying is void because we're the ones speaking it, not God. And so every time we open up His Word the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us what is being said. However, if we don't open ourselves to that, okay? then we may say, okay, God's not speaking to me. Or we may say, I'm learning nothing from this. And it all has to do with our heart and whether we're allowing Him to to speak through us. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To allow the Spirit of God to dwell in us. But why do we need to be filled with the Spirit when God commands us to do So please turn now to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You usually make fun of me when I say that word, but I'm trying to work on it. Acts. Not ask. Acts. Verse 1. I'm sorry. Chapter 1, verse 8. This should be a familiar verse to us. It says this. When you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It says you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You know We've actually discussed before, I think in our high school uh, Bible study, has the Holy Spirit always existed? Mm. I mean, has it always existed? Yeah, but In the beginning was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? The difference here in Acts 1.8, a lot of times people live under the assumption or they're assuming this is the first time the Holy Spirit comes upon. That is not the case. Okay? There's a big difference here. The Holy Spirit comes up, 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 on top of the believers, goes into the believers, and what happens at that moment? Yeah, but what specifically about the Spirit? The power of the so before the Spirit came, you were really limited in what you could do, right? That's why they were so amazed by Jesus uh, going around and doing all these miracles. They were amazed that this was happening. But now that Jesus is gone, Jesus kept telling them he's sending a helper. That helper, in which he was talking about, was the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them for the very first time, they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. At that moment, they were given the opportunity, if it's God's will. To, to do exactly what Jesus had commanded them to do. And he says here also, at the end of here, so the Holy Spirit, you understand you're getting the power. It says you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So understand what's happening here. These disciples are now having the Holy Spirit upon them. Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them because why? They'll be more effective than their witness. They'll be more effective in spreading the gospel. So Jesus had been teaching them for three years, but it was not enough. They needed to put what they were being taught into action. And so if Jesus came and He taught all these things, but they didn't put it into action, it would have been like it never happened. Think about this for a second. If the disciples and the early apostles didn't choose to spread the Gospel, what would that mean today? So you probably wouldn't have Christianity, right? But notice, they're given the Holy Spirit and they went out and do it. They didn't question it. They went right then and do it. And if they, they were only able to do what occurs in which We won't go into a lot tonight. They were only able to do this with the Holy Spirit. And every time they would go out and speak, they, were, they would say something around the, the idea of, I'm not speaking on my authority, I'm speaking on the authority of God and Jesus Christ. Now this sounds similar to who else in the Gospels? In the Gospels. Jesus Christ, right? He would always say, I'm speaking on the authority of who? Father. The Father, right, my Father, Right. Very similar is also occurring here, okay? So understand, they now, they're, they're really decided, really possible. they the early disciples, the only apostles, they now have the Spirit filled with them, and they're excited, and they're going out, and they're sharing the Gospel. And so the Gospel increases uh, at very at very fast rates. Why? Because they're being obedient, and they weren't following themselves. Were they scared? Probably. Probably terrified. They were going to leave where they were at. They were going to places they were familiar with. But they weren't concerned about being scared of a lot of the spirit crippled them. They were following the Spirit and doing what Christ had told them to do. I and so, understand what's very fascinating is this. You know, a lot of skeptics will look and say, um, the different part, there's a lot of skepticism over with skeptics with the resurrection of Christ, right? But notice this, okay? If you see something, you experience something, okay? And it's very exciting. It makes you excited. You see, it's life changing. Are you going to keep that to yourself? Uh-huh. No, no. If you found a cure for a disease like cancer or anything else, are you going to, have to keep it to yourself? No. No, you're going to share it, right? And so, these early disciples, early apostles, realized who Christ was and what He did for them. They were super excited. They went out and they started sharing their faith. Here's something special about the apostles, every single one of them. They were willing to die, be beaten, and put in prison for their faith. Because they experienced Christ firsthand. Turn to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. So it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they, and they ground their teeth. This is the people who uh, the apostles were preaching to. And they they, they ground their teeth at him. But he, of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is Stephen, by the way, which we're talking about. The first martyr in Scripture. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at Him. Then they cast Him out from the city and stoned Him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Because Paul later And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep or he died. Now understand that Stephen, the first recorded martyr in Scripture, is preaching the gospel. And even while he's getting stoned, while they're killing him, while they're mocking him, he's proclaiming Christ. Because of what Christ had done for him. Stephen preached about Jesus because he knew he was real and was working. Stephen was stoned, but he knew God had the power to see him and one of those who were stoning him to death would eventually become Paul. Okay? One of the most well-known apostles, one of the most well-known followers of Christ and and wrote most of the books in the New Testament. So think about this. A lot of times we say, well, you know what? In certain times, I don't have to make a stand for Christ because I'm probably not going to make that big of a difference anyway. But notice here, Saul... Because Paul is standing here and is watching Stephen get stoned, and Stephen is proclaiming Christ. Does not let off off of it, and he's killed for his faith. You see later on, it makes an impact in Saul's life because this small little thing eventually led uh, to uh, God appearing to him on the road to Damascus and radically changed his life. But Stephen, okay, if he would have denied it, could, could he have denied his faith at that moment? He could have, but he didn't. Okay, why? He didn't rely on himself, right? His flesh was telling him, I'm about to die. And so he probably was reacting in a way where I need to do something to get out of this, but that's not what he did. He stayed true to God. And then he said at the very end here, Lord, do not hold the sin against him. And then we know he died from there. He stayed true. He followed the Holy Spirit. Didn't Jesus say said something about Yes, he did then. Yes, yes, he did. I was going to bring that up, but you did, so that works perfectly. All right. Next question: Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is The Holy Spirit is God with all the attributes that come with it. Now turn to Romans chapter eleven. Romans chapter eleven, Romans chapter eleven, verse thirty-three. All right, it says this. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how unestructible unstru- His ways. For, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him, in Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. The Holy Spirit came to glorify Christ and lead believers into all truth. And we cannot live a holy life apart from the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that a second, but before we get there, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians. You guys should be frozen turning your the Bible by the of this series. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says this. this. This should sound uh, familiar as well. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, ending uh, one another. So God sent the Holy Spirit to live in us and then we reflect the fruit of the Spirit to show that the Spirit is filled in our life. And so this is so we can live a holy life and accomplish God's will. But I told you, you cannot live a holy life outside the Holy Spirit, okay? In Scripture, it talks about flesh versus the Spirit. What does it say in regards to us as believers about the flesh? To what? To to what? To not go into the desires of what? The flesh. Basically, do not fall into what your flesh desires. And then it says to be what? Filled with what? The The Holy Spirit. understand that. As Christians, okay, we understand that, right? We understand that. I don't need to go back to my old ways. I don't need to go back to my fleshly desires. I look to the Spirit and say what He says. I understand this. And here's why I've got to be careful with this. If you don't understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit, and all you know is the flesh, then what are you going to go to for satisfaction? The flesh. The flesh. The flesh. Right? And so if, if, no, if they don't know what the Holy Spirit is, they don't know who God is, they go back to the flesh. Now, as Christians, as believers... We know what the Spirit is, but a lot of times, for satisfaction, we go to the flesh. But Scripture points out over and over again, do not fall into the desires of flesh and go with the Spirit. Don't ignore the Spirit. Embrace the Spirit as we have the power to do things only because of God, right? There's certain things that we cannot overcome, right? There's certain things that we cannot do, but God gives us the power to do it. The Spirit gives us the power to do it. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To be filled with the Spirit means to be filled with Christ. Now what does the word filled mean? It means to be controlled or have abundance of. Okay, And so, if the Spirit is in you, you have, you have God with you at all times. That means at any moment. okay, When you're going out and you're living your life, at any moment. okay, uh, If the Spirit is in you, how should you be living your life? Through the Spirit? Or in your, uh, yeah, through the Spirit. But how conscious are we of that? How conscious do we live with the understanding the Spirit is in me? I need to reflect on that. Turn down to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I wish this would be the last time you turn it, but it's not. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Okay? It says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. therefore, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always, and for everything to God the Father in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it says here, first of all, who's the writer of Ephesians? Paul, Paul, exactly. The guy who... It's all steaming and stone, but now the right of the chain by God. Right, he was. Right, that he was yeah. But it says, look carefully then how you walk. Now this does not mean, okay, that you're stumbling, right, or you're having a hard time walking. It just means, be careful of your spiritual walk. Look how you're actually living your life. Right, it says in verse 17, do not be foolish. Okay, so if he's saying do not be foolish, who is Paul speaking to here? Actually, the, the church of Ephesus, right? Believers. You know what's wrong, you know it's of the flesh, you have no excuse. Don't be foolish. Live for Christ. Following in your own selfish ways is being foolish. If you're following your way and not the Lord's way, that's foolish. Alright? But our goal is to find the will of the Lord. Okay? In other words, what you want to do and what God wants you to do should line up. Does that make sense? So the desires of your heart should be the desires of the Lord as well. Verse 18. He says this and then practice. Well, so how do you do this? To be filled with... With the Holy Spirit. Now what is the? what does this produce? Or what should this produce? Verse 19, 20, and 21 talks about these three things. Number one, worship through song. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your response should be worship. Your response also should be prayer of thought. You should be praying to God. And number last thing is submitting to God's will. Not doing what you want to do necessarily, but what you want to do is line up with God's will. So worship Praying and submitting to God's will the three things that being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like. Now, I've laid that out, but what's holding us back? What's holding us back from, well, exactly, our flesh? Two, two things, basically, right? Lack of knowledge and unbelief. Lack of knowledge and unbelief. We you look at lack of knowledge, you, there's another word for that in Scripture called, called carnality. And what this is, you know a little bit, but you don't want to pursue anymore. more. Okay? Or you're scared of what God is going to tell you to you do, know, so you ignore it. Alright? It also means although you know Christ, your foundation is not built on Christ, it's built on worldly things. Turn to first Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. verse uh, yeah, first Corinthians. I that good. Verse 10. Alright? So what it says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else. Is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds in the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest with the day will disclose closing, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built in the foundation survives, receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, when I was going through this, okay, i um, where I get there. Verse 10 through 12 reminds me, the strong foundation is only built on Christ. Everything else crumbles and falls. Now, when I was thumbing through this, you guys may not know this, maybe showing my age a little bit, but I was thinking of the song, that talks about, uh, the wise man builds his house upon oh the... Songs. Sand? Rocks. Uh, rocks. The rock, yeah. messed yeah, it up, guys. Yeah. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the wise man built his house upon the rock. Now, when it's talking about that, okay, what's that song? It's a silly song, okay, and kids sing it, but what's it trying to point out? Right, what's your foundation built on? Is it built on something that's going to crumble? Okay, or is it going to be built on something solid? Okay, the rock which is Christ, right? If your foundation is not built upon the Lord, it will be revealed you will be destroyed, right? If you say you're a Christian and you claim that you're a follower of Christ, there's going to come a time when the testing will come whether, and we're going to see whether your foundation is built on God or foundations built on worldly things. We will only be remembered for what we have done for Christ. Remember that. In the eternity, we'll be remembered for what we've done for the kingdom of God personal accomplishments and what we've done in the flesh and what we've done in the Spirit. And verse 14 reminds us, whatever survives is one's life will receive a blessing. All that doesn't will be destroyed. Okay? So we may gain riches, we may do things, and those things are not necessarily bad, but is our foundation built on that or is it built on Christ and doing what He says? Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So all that is not of Christ will be barred up and will suffer loss. Although they are saved, it doesn't make any difference if they rely on self instead of God. So in other words, understand this, okay? We come to Christ, all right? We have salvation in Christ, but if that's all we're doing, we're missing out on what the Spirit us to do, okay? It doesn't mean you can lose your salvation, okay? It just means that God's given us, okay, once we become saved, at that moment, the Great Commission is what we're called to do, right? And by ourselves in our flesh, because in our flesh, our flesh is full of what? what? Sin. sin. Full of sin. By ourselves, we cannot accomplish fully the Great Commission. It's done through Christ and relying on what He's told us to do. So you can't use lack of knowledge as an excuse. Because Knowing Christ, what Christ has done for you, the testimony he's given you, that's all the knowledge you need to go and spread and say, you know, this is what Christ has done for you. This is why it's important to you as well. So that's lack of knowledge. Now look at unbelief. Okay? Now, unbelief can can have a couple different things, but number one, some fear what God will do. Here's what I mean, right? We don't want to to take that step out there um, because we're afraid of what God will do. A biblical example of this is Jonah. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. And he didn't go because he was afraid that God would actually have mercy on the people. So he didn't go. So we so we feel like maybe God's telling us to do something, but we don't want that to happen, so we choose not to do it. Or number two, this kind of goes hand in hand, we're afraid of what God would require of them. So here's an example I like to use, right? It's good to pray for things like patience, right? But when you pray for it, and God puts a battle in front of you where you have to face temptation, like for me, when I'm stuck in traffic, right? We don't like what God's going to require of us at that moment, which is patience. Okay? So there is a difference between fearing what God will do and afraid of what God will require of them. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. Towards the back, by the way. 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 18, says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So if we're fearful, we don't recognize God's love. right? Now, we allow fear to cripple us sometimes because sometimes our flesh takes over. It's at that moment when we've got to say, you know what? No, I'm a believer. I'm filled with the Spirit. I can do this because God is telling me to do it. So how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? There's three basic ways. Number one, faith in God. Two, know God's promises and commands and daily prayer and reliance. Now turn over to Romans chapter 10. I told you, to Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Uh, this is the part where we have faith in God. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 says, But what does it say? The word is near you in the mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised <clears> Him <throat> from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. For with the heart of one believes and is justified with the mouth one confesses it and is saved confess that Jesus Christ is Lord believe God was raised from the dead and salvation will occur verse 10 re If you do this Christ enters you through the Holy Spirit and you're able to proclaim the gospel believe and you will be with shame once we come to God we're filled with the spirit so that's God's in the workforce through his son Jesus Christ now it's our choice we've got two choices Follow the spirit, or don't follow the spirit. to two options: to follow the spirit or to follow the flesh. Now, Exodus chapter 14. I going to go to the front. Exodus chapter 14. One more after this, one, okay? I promise. One more after this. Revelation. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. This is no God's promises and commands, okay? And Moses said to the people, "Fear not." Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which we will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Israelites are escaping Egypt. They're about to cross over the Red Sea. Before God opens it up, Moses reminds the Israelites what God has promised to them. Right. So Moses reminds the Israelites what God had promised and he says, the Lord will fight for you. And then he says, be silent. Why? To listen to what God is saying. To be reminded of what God is telling you. Silence equals the Spirit is going to work for us in the battle. A lot of times, we don't hear God speaking because we're so consumed with life, or so consumed with the noise of life, so, we don't take time to stay silent and listen to what God is saying. Moses so is reminding the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which will work for you, day where you will not see the Egyptians again. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silenced. And this is the last one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <coughs> Daily prayer and reliance. Daily prayer and reliance. We'll, we'll close up tonight. Chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Three things. Paul is ending a letter to the church of Thessalonica. I know i got a big word. It's so not over. He's giving a ending here to his first letter to the church of Thessalonica and gives them three things here at the end to be reminded of. Verse 16. Rejoice always. When things are good, when things are bad, rejoice always. God has done. Pray without ceasing at all times. Talk with God. God's always talking to us. Are we listening to Him? Are we speaking to Him? Are we seeking Him? In verse 18 to wrap it all up, give thanks in all circumstances. You may not understand why you're in the circumstance you're in currently. Okay, you're struggling with it. Why would God let me go through this? Or why is God allowing this to happen? And a lot of times we can't answer that question. Okay? But God has a purpose. Give thanks in all the circumstances and see where God has taken you in this. You may be through a battle for a long time, but trust the Spirit that is in you and understand that whatever you're going through, this is the will of God. See it through. See what He has for you. So here's what I'm challenging you guys with tonight. Don't ignore the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, knowing His plans are greater than ours. It's our heads Dear God, we're so thankful tonight. Maybe this is something that is new for us. Maybe it's a reminder to be filled with the Spirit. Lord, it's so hard for us, and You knew it would be, because You always, in Your Word, You point out to us to be aware. To be aware of those that are going to drag us down. Be aware of Satan. Be aware of temptations that face our lives. When we face trials and tribulations, we're to be persistent in it and continue on to see what You have for us and what You will for our lives. But I pray that after tonight, that we don't rely on ourselves, we don't rely on the flesh, we rely on your spirit for you to move through us, to live our lives in a way where we're so in line with you that we know exactly what you want us to do. That we don't have to question, is this right or is this wrong? We know it's right because you told us to do so. I pray that we stand boldly and to know that you've radically changed our lives. We don't need to hold it back. We don't need to say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. But share the news of the gospel and who you are. You sent your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. I pray that we're filled with the Spirit. Lord, if there's people in here tonight who do not know you, I pray right now that this message has challenged them. And they've seen what your Spirit can do and they've seen the salvation that you offer. All we have to do is believe. Admit we're sinners. Believe in, who, in, in, in you. Confess our sins to you and to follow in your way. I pray we're challenged to do that. Lord, even if we have to take time to to pray every to, to pray daily to you so that you would fill us with your spirit, so that we would well, I pray we do that, but I pray that we're more open to what you have to say for us and not get clouded uh, by the world. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us tonight. We love you. Praise you, Emperor. Amen. Yes.